This is Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and your questions all about NPB. And now your hosts, Johnny Gibson and Jim Allen. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly podcast. It's for the week of January 15th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Thursday night in the new year is my buddy Jim Allen. How's it going, man? It's a happy new year and a happy new year to all your listeners. And I'm I'm really good. Good. Happy new year. It's year 14 of our podcast. Can you believe that? Uh, no, there are many <laughs> things that defy belief. You know, uh, <laughs> there are many things that defy belief in my life, mostly that I'm still here. <laughs> You're young, buddy. Still breathing. <laughs> you are young. Don't forget that. Indeed. Yeah. I, um, okay. I, there are times when I do forget it. So you, you're doing well, but why, you've been busy. You have had a busy off-season program going on here. Yeah, <laughs> has been busy. Did the winter meetings for the first time in four years, which was really fun, and got some people got, got some people to talk. Which the the big surprise of the winter um, the big surprise of the winter meetings was running into Daryl Rasner by accident. Razmataz. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't look, I didn't even recognize him. We were standing around a table drinking with some people from some teams, MLB teams, um, whose scouts I've been close to for a long time. And I said, okay, which teams are you guys with? Says, I'm with this team. And then another guy says, I'm with the Yankees. And then uh, another guy says, I'm with the, with the Rock 10 Eagles. And I went, oh, no. Oh. And he's been, he's been like doing bodybuilding or something. Oh gosh! I didn't recognize. He's much bigger. Wow, he's even bigger. So he's kind of barrel-chested guy, anyway. Yeah, he was, but he's he's a little bigger. I mean, he wow. before, of course, when you're wearing a baseball uniform, it's really you know you it's hard to tell because they tend to be loose. But he he was wearing a t-shirt. He looked like a he looked bigger. Wow! So I didn't recognize him, and he and so yeah, I got to get in touch with him. All Lots right, of well, people got in touch with, and Jay Jackson was there, which is always a thrill. Oh yeah, big JJ. Yeah, yeah well, that's... yeah. I mean, I've been trying to stay in shape, getting to the gym a lot, and and winter vacation was long with the kids out of school. But that wow, that gave me a lot of time to work out, and a lot of stress at the gym. So I've been doing that, but <laughs> uh, haven't seen any results. But I guess they'll come around. They'll come along later. <laughs> well. Keep pushing, you, keep plugging. What, right? what you what you get is not the other one. You get you you keep from going the other way. Okay, well, that's a result. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. I, that's, that's what I take. That's all we, we take. Consolation we prizes for life. <laughs> that's right. Well, uh, one thing first of all, too, we want to acknowledge the fact that we had this huge earthquake here in Ishikawa Prefecture mm. in Japan on January first, and lost a lot of lives there. And then the next mm. day. To top that off, we had a plane, airplane accident uh, on a runway. So we and we lost some. There was a loss of life involved in that. And oh, man, there's so much terrible stuff going on in the world. But we're here mm. to talk about baseball, so that's what we'll do on this week's show. We've got an interview with Carlos Mirabel, uh, former fighters pitcher. We're going to talk about the MVPs, player acquisitions, and then dive into some high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right, so Carlos, uh, he pitched with the fighters from 2000 to 2005. Now, I was back home in the States from 2003 to 2004, came back to take this job 
actually at the at the end of 2004 started the job January 1st 2005 so my first day at work was a day off <laughs> and uh so I missed a lot of what was going on with the play the introduction of the playoffs um the right. the, the the big you know here Carlos talk about this big uh end of season right mad dash to make that playoff uh the I guess it was the first year of the playoffs and then you'll hear him talk about the uh move that the that the fighters made up to hokkaido because he played a bunch of games at tokyo dome and sometimes played at hokkaido i believe and then uh but they wanted to go up there and make that their home and uh you'll hear how proud he is about how the how the team has has made that at that uh area its own and um carlos was part of the transition team like i said uh to the team's new full-time ground in hokkaido under Trey hillman and uh, Carlos and I spoke on Saturday, January 6th, and Carlos is on the East Coast. So it was easy because <laughs> he, when he wakes up, I'm getting ready to go to sleep almost. Mm. So so it was perfect timing in that respect. And he has all, he's doing a lot of things. He's I think last time we spoke, uh, we talked about some of the things he's into, but he's helping out with Baseball United, uh, which is uh, bringing baseball to the Middle East. And he also published an instructional pitching book for young players called keep it simple pitching. So he's doing a lot of stuff and he is still in touch and still making his presence known in Japanese baseball, in the Japanese baseball world. So let's take a listen to what he had to say. All right. Joining us on this uh, first show of the year is Carlos Mirabal. Uh, he's in, you still in, in the East, right? You're in New York. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Former fighters, pitcher. And um, geez, it's great. It's good to have you on the show. Happy new year. <laughs> How have you been? I'm good. Happy New Year to you. Uh, everything is going well. I, I was busy um, this past offseason a lot with the Baseball United, but everything is is going well. Just getting prepared for the new year and um, everything that's going to hopefully be good in 2024. Yeah, um, you know, we had you on, I think it was about two years ago, and we talked a lot then. It was a good time, and we decided we wanted to have you back. And I thank you again for joining us. And tell me about the the Japan Foreign Players Association or Japan. Let me get this right now. It's long. Japan Retired Foreign Players Association. What are you doing with them? And uh, how's that going? Um, well, I, I haven't done, uh, 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 I guess, a lot with them lately because I've been busy with uh, Baseball United. But, um, you know, it's the same thing. It's, you know, the New Year starts and... Um, Anything that the Retired Foreign Players Association can do to help players um, get back to Japan uh, for speaking engagements, coaching, um, any kind of business opportunities that they're they're currently doing, uh, that's pretty much what the, the Foreign Players Association is for. Um, I believe uh, Bobby Rose, the former player from the Bay Stars, correct, is going to be uh, going back there as a manager in the BCL. So that's that's pretty much what the uh, Retired Players Association does, um, and it's just any any opportunities that may come up during the course of the year to help any of the past players. That's that's pretty much what they're doing. Uh, you know what happens with the association. Yeah. And I know you mentioned Baseball United and probably a lot of people don't know what that is. So what can you tell us about that venture? So Baseball United is basically it's a league that um, uh, is is brought to the Middle East uh, area, you know, to really help out the, you know, 
countries like India, Pakistan, um, and the, the main area that we had a showcase in in November uh, is in was in Dubai, and the whole point of it was to bring baseball to the region, to show baseball to that area, teach them baseball, um, and we, we put on a showcase first, um, a couple games just to kind of kind of show what it's all about. So we turned a cricket stadium into a baseball stadium. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was it was very exciting, and you know the whole point is bringing baseball into that region, um, and it was exciting because I was able to uh, bring uh, the Amori Giants, the Yokohama Bay Stars. I got you know interest from some of the NPB teams mm-hmm. um, to to really pay attention to what we're doing and and kind of focus on the games that we had in the showcase and um, hopefully something can happen in the future you know with those NPB teams yes um, yeah and and anything in Japan because I've been pushing um, you know to try to hit the market in Japan whether it's you know Japanese company sponsorships or 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 anything like that um, so you know the baseball united is basically we had a showcase and we brought over some former uh, MLB players, um, you know, some AAA guys, uh, just all different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, about 20, 20 plus countries were represented as far as the players' backgrounds um, and coaches, and and we really try to try to kind of show that region um, this game of baseball. Sure, and it yeah. was a. And it was successful. Yeah, we pulled it off. Yeah, I saw a lot of the social media, and I and I went to the website and saw some of the excitement, and the, I heard about the six run home run thing. You guys have to go and yeah, check that out. Yeah. So, all right. So the last time you were on, we also talked about Shohei Otani, and uh, this time, I guess <laughs> I don't know how to phrase the yeah. questions because it's crazy. He has really blown up. He has surpassed any of the wildest dreams that I had uh, and expectations for him, but. Let's say, let's look at it this way, because we know he's not going to pitch in this upcoming season. But if you were an opposing pitcher, how would you feel about facing him as a Dodger? You know, when he's got so many other great players in the lineup. And I I know you're a pitcher. So what what are you thinking when you go up against him uh, as an opposing pitcher, perhaps? (laughs) Well, I I think, you know, um, obviously he's, you know, possibly you know, one of the greatest players ever, um, possibly one of the greatest players in baseball today. So, you know, you have him in the lineup, you have the Mookie Betts, you have you have so many great players on that Dodger team in the lineup. But at the same time, it's, you know, when, you know, when you're a baseball player and you're on the opposing team, um, you, you can't, you can't let, you can't let all of this stuff beat you before you even step foot on the baseball field. Mm. You know, uh, people are people. And if you're, if you go on a baseball field and don't think you're the best and don't think that you can get people out, um, get the Otani or the Mookie Betts or, you, or get those guys out, you've, you've already lost before you even step foot. And that's, that's some of the, you know, the things in this game of baseball that um, people don't realize is, is such a mental game. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to perform, you know, any kind of thought process that you have that gets interrupted by, you know, who's at the plate or or what you got to do, uh, even if it's like an Aaron Judge or somebody like that, it, you can't be defeated before you get onto that pitcher's mound. So um, you have to execute 
your game plan of what you feel you have to do to pitch against those guys. You know, the, the difference between those guys and, and some other guys is you can't make a mistake. So if you make a mistake, you know, it's a home run or it's they're going to do damage with it. So the mental preparation is just as important um, and executing what you need to do. And if you do that, you'll be fine because, you know, Tanny and, you know, this thing about baseball is, you know, for every 100 at bats, if he gets 30 hits, he's a Hall of Famer, right? You know, sure. 300. Yeah. Well, that means 70, 70 times he got out. That's right. So, you know, it's it is a game of failure. So if you look at it as, hey, I want to be in that part of the 70 times that he gets out every 100 at bats, um, that's the first thing that a opposing player has to has to really um, prepare, not just the physical. Uh, part of throwing a baseball when you're pitching against them or Mookie Betts or some of those other guys, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the mental preparation that goes in into all of this stuff as well. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that's great stuff. Thank you. Um, what about now the fact that we've got some players, we might see three, four, maybe even five Japanese players make the jump from NPB to the major leagues this season, including, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who has already signed with the Dodgers, and we have uh, Yuki Matsui going to the Padres, and then we might have uh, Shota Imanaga and some other guys. So uh, you see all these players making this jump to the majors, and I guess how are Japanese players being viewed in the States these days is my question, because you know we're going to be seeing more, I think, uh, especially with Munetaka Murakami of the Swallows sitting on deck to make the jump. Yeah, so we've got other guys. So, yeah, how, how are these guys being viewed in the States? Um, you know, it's it's like everything else. It's, you know, it's the marketing of it. Um, I would say there were some New York Yankee fans pretty much not happy with Yamamoto going to the Dodgers. Um, <laughs> you know, which is, which is normal. You know, it's competitive. And, you know, uh, the old Steinbrenner would have made sure that the Otani and Yamamoto wouldn't have went to the Dodgers. Um, but it's exciting. You know, baseball baseball needs that. They, they need that excitement of, uh, you know, being competitive and, and having the superstars. And, and I, I enjoy it because, you know, to me, you know, I look at baseball as, you know, the MLB and the NPB is – is kind of the same. Um, we just don't get a lot of those Japanese stars because they don't, you know, they're not free agents mostly, or if the teams don't post them. So when you see uh, like the Otani Yamamoto and, and, and the future of some of these guys that are going to come over, I think it's exciting for baseball. And, you know, a lot of people here in the United States, you know, they're, you know, when they, we had the Ichiro's and, Matsui and things like that. It was exciting. So I think I think it's good because a lot of these, you know, people here in the United States are really kind of getting an appreciation for what the NPB really is. Um, especially with the with the World Baseball Classic when Otani was facing Trout. I mean, that was that was just super exciting. So I think it really brought up a level of awareness of what the NPB is and what they have to offer. So when you have the Otanis and Yamamoto's and, and future, you know, Sasaki's that want to come over and, 
it's exciting. People here are excited. Um, you know, baseball's been a little bit in the decline because you have the NFL, but you know, now with Otani and and what they're doing over in LA, it's 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 getting exciting here in the United States for the upcoming season, which is good to see. All right, you know, it's really good to see that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I'm a Dodgers fan, but. I, I try not to let that get you know into <laughs> no I, I I you know I, I actually didn't really think he was gonna end up there and I certainly didn't think Yamamoto was gonna end up there but I want to talk about what you experienced in living in Hokkaido what was the worst aspect of being in that area in the in the cold months the snow <laughs> <laughs> how many guys when were late we to first when we first um, I remember the, all the all the talk in 2003 when we were in Tokyo about how possibly next season there's going to be a team moving to Hokkaido, but we didn't know it was us. <laughs> um, you, you know, and, and we played some games up there. Um, yeah. You know, you know, uh, during the course of the season, before the season, it was, you know, a couple series up there. So it was kind of nice. You know, it was all brand new stadium and the dome. And and then, uh, you know, going into down four, we went to spring training. Um you know, we're in Okinawa and the weather's really nice. And it, I just remember when we got on the plane to go back and we're landing in Sapporo. And uh, you know how they had like the camera with the TV, like the video, so you can see like the outside. And it was snowing and everybody was looking at each other like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, what? what a, oh, no. Like, you know, are we going to be able to land? Is it too much snow? Is yeah. It, and then when we took the bus and, and you could see how, how much snow was cleared off from the streets and stuff, we, all of us were like, uh-oh, this is, this is going to be interesting. Um, but you know what? It turned out it turned out to be great. You know, that was the first year of actually the fighters in Hokkaido. So it, it turned out to be really good and um, a great experience, a great start. Everything we wanted to do, obviously you can see – the result, there's a brand new stadium up there. Um, you know, the fighters are the main team in in Hokkaido. Yep. And part of part of our strategy when we went to Hokkaido was, you know, how do we how do we get the people there to realize that hey, we we are your team now. Um, the the fans that were obviously, you know, uh, Yomori Giants fans and um, other you know, fans of other teams, how, how do we convince them that like, no, no, listen, you have your own team here with the fighters and we want you to be our, our fans. Like we're yours now. We're not, you know, you don't have to be a Giants fan because they're on the radio or TV. You can come see us now. So we did a lot of, uh, a lot of things where, you know, like if you weren't starting that day, you know, we were in uniform as the fans would come into the, ballpark mm -hmm. you know we would meet them we would greet them there so they can see us um just a lot of promotional things um trey hellman would have us do to bring awareness to the for the fighters that's saying hey we're, we're yours so we're going to interact with you um in in the public and we're going to be here to show you like hey we we care about you and we want you to care about us and it turned out we had a really really great season um to get to the playoffs and that was the first year they had the wild card where it was like you know three teams make it to right. place three and then the winner that plays one and and it turned out to come to the very last uh home game in the support dome 
and I wound up pitching that game, a complete game against the, the Hawks that put us tied with the Chibolote Marines and Bobby Valentine um, at the very end of the season. And then we had one makeup game against the uh, Oryx, I believe it was the Oryx Buffaloes mm-hmm. at that point uh, because they had merged. And we had two days later to go down to um, Kobe um, and play. And it was like a winner gets into the third spot, loser is out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I wanted to, Pitching in relief, I remember Mike Brown uh, came up to me afterwards. And Pitching coach, like, hey, yeah. Trey, mm-hmm. Yeah, Trey doesn't want you to throw your bullpen the second day because I would always throw the second day after I pitched. As my bullpen, he said, you, you might have to be used in the game. So I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe an inning, a batter or something if needed because I just threw 100-plus pitches in a complete game. And turned out that I wound up pitching uh, six, seven, and eighth inning and and held our lead and then uh so we can get to the ninth inning and then our closer closed it out so we can win and get that last uh playoff spot and we wound up going to the sable uh, i don't remember what it was called back then but it was the sable dome against the lions um <laughs> and we wound up losing it was a two out of three I pitched the second game because timing-wise, he was like, uh, Trey was like, hey, you're going to pitch game two. And I wound up going eight and two-thirds, and we got the win. And then we lost the third game. We were losing, and we get to the top of the ninth inning, and our second baseman, Kimoto, hits a home run to tie it. And then the Sable Lions' first batter in the bottom of the ninth inning hits a home run, and they win and we lose. Um but that really brought the excitement to Hokkaido. It brought the excitement to all the people up in that region on that island up there mm. to say, hey, we are your team now. And by us making that run and putting those people you know, in the support dome for the second half of the season, they, they really, it really worked. You know what I mean, and uh, and I think with that first 2004 season being so exciting, making the playoffs, winning a playoff game, um, because I believe I, that was like the first playoff win for the fighters in in a really long time. Um, the fans really took to us, and then you could see the result now um, over the years. You know, Trey Hillman they won a championship and. Um, they played some competitive baseball, and now they have a brand new stadium. And yep. um, and the whole, if you go, when I when I traveled back there, I mean to see the whole place fighters. I mean at the airport they have a fighters cafe. Um, yep. I mean it's it's just amazing, mm. and you know I I loved it because that's our that was our goal in, t- in two thousand four is to turn that whole island of Hokkaido into fighters like a fighter nation you know what I mean and uh and it worked yeah it's pretty exciting you know to see it yeah and you've gotten you've gotten our show off uh with a with a with a bang here in the in the new year so we appreciate it and man 15 minutes go by really fast but uh sorry but yeah I talk a lot (laughs) no problem at all no problem at all we will have to have you on again so we will promise to do that all right no, I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for taking your time out, waking up early and, and chatting with us. No, absolutely. I appreciate it. I wish you and, and everybody who listens, uh, you know, a, a really good um, 2024, especially with the earthquake that 
you know, has just happened over there. And um, I hope everybody could be safe and, and um, hope everything goes, you know, goes better from here. Thank you, Carlos. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. How about that? How about that? Jim? Wow. Wow. <laughs> that was that was serious way back stuff. I mean, I'm going like, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop doing this. I'm I'm twenty, you know, I'm I'm 43 years old again. <laughs> back back in the day when I had hair that wasn't all gray. <laughs> Well, what what would do you like to talk about first? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Okay. First, just to correct a couple of things. Yeah. Carlos hasn't been in Japan all the years, so I think some of the, the, the dots have no are no longer connected properly. Yes, I did get that idea. <laughs> yeah. So two no. th- the, the so the the year they were talking about the fighters moving to Sephora was two thousand two. Okay. And as you said, Tokyo Dome was their home, and they played before small crowds. And the the move to Sapporo was fought tooth and nail by Seibu Lions owner Yoshiaki Tsutsumi um, in the years before he was arrested on stock fraud and tax evasion. <laughs> he he argued that. Sapporo was better off without a home team. Sapporo was better off being the home city of all of Japanese baseball because he wanted the, the Lions to play like 15 games a year in Sapporo. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and he knows a, he knows a lot about you know what it means for a team to have their their home home their uh, city to have its home team because he's the one who who took the Lions and removed them from Fukuoka. Okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so he knows all about that. He knows then, he knows it well. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So anyway, so that he finally had to give up on that because the other owners weren't buying it, and the fighters did announce before the the uh, the two thousand three season that they were gonna uh, over the winter that they were gonna open. To, they were gonna be. The, um, playing full time or almost full time in Sapporo Dome from 2004, and so they played their first game as a as a team bound for Sapporo. And actually, they were the visiting team against the Yomiuri Giants mm-hmm. in a two game preseason series in March 2003. And this is the part that Carlos was referring to, where they they went up there and they went, "Look at the snow." <laughs> mm. I was up there to sort of, re, you know, document the, the fighters' first game in their new home and see about the excitement and the excitement. And their new home is the away team. <laughs> and the new home is the away team, right? Because it wasn't their home. They were the they were the home team the following day. Yeah. And I was up there to hopefully to interview uh, Giants uh, outfielder Takeuchi Suzuki, and uh, a variety of things was going on and. Anyway, I got off the bus from the airport the day before the series opened, and I'm looking for the way into Sapporo Dome. And it, and the the snow was piled up by the roadside, you know, on pushed onto the 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 curb, and it was about pushed up to the curb about six seven feet high. And you're six three, so yeah. And so you walked on the snow. There was about three four feet of snow covering the ground. And I could not find the the press entrance after I got off the bus. And so I started walking up the hill to the parking lot entrance where I brushed past the security guards and they didn't have the heart to chase me 
I, I took them by surprise. But as, you, as John will tell you, that's not that's easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, especially up there with those guys. But in the snow, I would imagine they're like, "I'm not going to get him. You go get him." <laughs> it could have been, could have been. But Sapporo has a well-deserved reputation as Japan's most uh, anal retentive, rule-abiding city. This that's not in Switzerland. Okay. <laughs> anyway, they love their rules up there. Anyway, so I, that that was that, and and. The next day, I'm in a cab, and I'm asking the cab driver, are you excited about the fighters coming? He says, buddy, this is a giant's town. <laughs> and most of the fans at Sapporo Dome were like Giants fans for both games. It's like, people are going like, who are these guys? Nobody asked them to come here. And then... And so the Giants continue. The Giants uh, continued to play games at Sapporo Dome for about two or three years. And after the third year, they realized nobody wants to see us play up here. They couldn't get any fans to come watch them play because it had become a fighter's town. Mm. Yeah, and it was quick. It was, quick, it was right? quick. It took you know within three four years, the Giants basically stopped going. Or maybe the fighters told them they couldn't come, which because the fighters are the because the fighters have the territorial rights, it may have been that they told them not to come. But I think it was uh, more that the Giants didn't want to. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to Carlos explain this thing. And like you said, uh, you know, some of the timelines and instances seem to be uh, misremembered. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, hey, I, I I sympathize with that. Yeah, I, so do I. <laughs> but um, but it was it was fun to just to listen to him recall all that stuff, mm. and I thought he's always a great interview. I I, I just mm. you don't really have to prepare a lot of questions for him, which is which is easy. Um, you he talks about this that like I said that postseason run that they have, and uh, and he talked about how well he did in his. Uh, opportunities, which you know, I, I love when the guys talk about how they how well they did. But uh, yeah, it just seemed like he was mixing a couple seasons together there. And I also think about the times when these foreign players they're in the locker room, but they don't speak Japanese. The only way they can get certain information is when somebody interprets it for them. Otherwise, they're kind of left out in the cold. I, I would imagine that it, there it was no sudden move. <laughs> This was the thing that was in the works for. It was a sudden move because I think the in the announcement actually might have happened like the very end of the 2002 season, and I think that that's probably what he's talking about. Okay, yeah, I, I was I, like, like it just sounded like you know all of a sudden they decided they were going to move up there. Well, they like, well, they'd been talking about it that year, and it might have been. It was probably the owners have a meeting in november but i think the, the npb executive committee meets in like july or september and that's when it was decided so it was probably right at the end of the season in 2002 and so they spent the whole year in limbo and, and of course i remember trey hillman coming and uh, they announced him in 2002 as the next manager and uh, yeah a whole bunch of stuff there right yeah uh, yeah the one thing i would want to mention before i before i hand it back is the talk you know when you asked i thought that was a wonderful question you know how do you face shohei otani but his answer was so good um you know i don't want to the wax on about you know what sports are all about but yeah i mean do something if you're going to do it 
don't don't you know you know you may have suspicions it's going to be difficult and you may have you may feel like okay this is going to be really hard and i might fail but if you don't think you know if you don't think you can do it you know you better do something else sure. <laughs> you know uh I, I got. I remember being upset about a, a Asian Games a final game, and the Asian Games were in Thailand in, in maybe two thousand one. And I was working at the Yomiuri then, and Jim Nishi with w- with our our former boss, the, the 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 glorious Jim Nishi, and we were. I was listening to the the Japan manager saying, well, basically we don't have a chance in hell. You don't have a snow snowball's chance in Thailand <laughs> to beat Korea because Korea, Korea sent an uh, KBO all-star team mm. to the Asian games. And Japan was amateurs basically and minor leaguers. They do. They gave it the MLB treatment. Right. And uh, yeah, and they treated got as their, practice. Yeah, and he said basically we're um, yeah we don't expect to win. I said well you, you got to try. I mean you know we don't we're not going to win. I'm going you know give me a break. Then <laughs> don't play. But of course I'm sure that was just something he said. But I you know you got to think you have a chance if you're on the field because as he said you know he's human. Um, you don't walk Barry Bonds every time because nobody deserves a thousand one thousand on base percentage. <laughs> nobody deserves it all right well <laughs> well if anybody did barry did but um but yeah all right well um like i said I, as i was doing the interview and i was talking to carlos and listening to this story i'm thinking man jim is really gonna love this and i was so thrilled yeah. so that, so was, was, that was a new year's present for me good 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 well thank you again carlos we appreciate mm. it we'll try to get you back on like i said uh he said he, he apologized for talking too much and i'm like i you know i had really recently had some someone I, I did an interview with and they said did i talk too much and i said what do you think we had you on the program for was to talk if, if we invite you on and i do all the talking it really doesn't make sense so <laughs> there's no such thing so don't worry about it so uh same with carlos there's no such thing and he did a great job uh let's make a two-seam transition and talk about the uh so-called mvps and pv the mvp uh, awards whatever yeah I mean, they are <laughs> awards and they call them the mvp awards so mm, yeah why not why not all right well uh this was back in november back in the before time <laughs> uh yoshinobu yamamoto uh was named the pl mvp and that was expected and that was earned and i was fine with that and then we got to the central league and it was shoki Murakami of the Hanshin Tigers. And I'm thinking this is the laziest, most egregious selection I think I've seen in 20 years at this job. Uh, And I really have to be honest, I have abstained from MVP voting and rookie of the year voting and all that stuff for, I don't know, 10 plus years because I've just refused to be part of this ridiculousness. Uh, You know, it's the one vote that I would put in for the, for someone who's actually put together a really good season and deserves an MVP would just be that one. So I just have abstained. It's just, I I haven't actually had the, I've been so angered and have gone on so many rants that I'm like, you know what, just keep your blood pressure at a good level, John, and Mm. don't get involved. And so I try not to get involved. And then, and then stuff like this. And frankly, 
the biggest thing that I thought about the moment I heard it was Shoki Murakami was Japan is learning nothing from the major leagues. And the reason I say that is because its son, Shohei Otani, has won two MVPs with a team that doesn't know what the what the postseason smells like. Mm. And not only did he win it, all the press, or I'm sorry, many of the Japanese media members thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to win. Mm. So how can they, on one hand, think that a guy who doesn't get doesn't come from the first place team in the United States in the major leagues is a foregone conclusion for the MVP honor, but a but they can't pick the actual MVP or find a a player who's not from the first place team in their own country. Mm. It makes no sense. It's this huge, I don't know. I, I I mean, I'm putting my hands together and I'm praying for these people because I, I don't know what to do with them. It's a huge double standard. What is going on? Can you can you enlighten me? What is going uh, on? Things. Yeah, I, I can a little bit. Um, actually, I was not I was not so outraged um, by the Shoki. Mur- I mean, I didn't I didn't. Of course, I didn't vote for none of my you get six votes for second, third place. I'm like, I think you get 10 in America and none of my votes went to a pitcher in either league. And I obviously didn't have him. So, yeah, I didn't have him and I didn't have Yoshinobu Yamamoto. So I'm fine with that. But uh, and of of course, I was surprised. uh, I was uh, Jason Koskri of the Japan Times. You know, I said, wow, my uh, the day after the the day, the ballots, the results were announced. I reposted my ballots on Twitter and my uh, Pacific League ballot got a million views. Mm hmm. And I said to Jason Koskis, like, what's up with that? Or maybe it was a million views by the before the Japan series, because I posted it. And he said, I said, that's weird. It usually gets like 300,000. He says, a million. Said, Dude, because you didn't vote for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. That's why everybody, everybody's <laughs> like, oh, you're blowing people's minds. And I wasn't the only one who didn't vote for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. One other person didn't vote for him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I know that. Anyway, so my my thing about the MVP awards, my weird thing about the MVP awards were two. Somebody gave an MVP award in the Pacific League to my buddy Yoshihisa Hirano, which he's my friend, and I, I well he's my friend. We're we are friendly. Okay. And I and I, I love him to death, but he deserved an MVP award like I did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I well, agree with that. <laughs> better than I did, but yeah, more than I did. But uh, no, the Murakami vote itself didn't didn't blow me away because uh, the first thing is the votes that always blow me away is when they name uh, when a guy who is considered the best player at his position in the best nine. Uh-huh. Then loses the MVP vote, MVP vote to a guy who is finishes behind him. Yeah. In the best nine. So they're saying, like, okay, you're the best second baseman in the league, but the guy who isn't the second best second baseman in the league is the best player in the league. And, you know, and actually I was surprised, but this is something that happens in the NFL. I thought you didn't watch the NFL. I don't really. But I was looking for this phenomenon. I found it's very common in the NFL because in the NFL, they have a, a 
defender of the year and an offensive player of the year and an MVP. And typically, and by all rights, the MVP should be either the best offensive player or the best defensive player, right? Obviously, if you're the best player in the league, you should be one of, you should get two of those awards. Well, I, I don't think so. Oh, you don't think so? So Not, not so, in football. Like, for oh, instance, so, yeah, for instance, you can be a really good quarterback and do great work. So but you can be the, the best quarterback in the no, league. No, you didn't say the best. Okay, let's just you say. Could, you, okay. I, I, you can be a really good quarterback and, and get a lot of numbers, but it's because your coach throws or because your running backs are terrible and you have to throw. And you through through the fact that you throw so much, uh, let's go back to the Don Coriel, Dan Coriel, is it Don okay, Coriel? Don, Cor- Don Coriel? Don Coriel and the, and the, well, they, they did have Fox running backs, the but they just didn't sure. care. They just, they just threw the ball and they threw the ball and they threw the ball. Okay. And they threw the people that, that didn't make Dan Fouts the best quarterback, but okay. he would, he might end up with the most yards and the most touchdowns. Okay. And that's not the best. So, so I, I don't people, think that works. Okay. In football. But people would still think he was the best offensive player of the year. Um, but not the MVP. Okay. Even though, you know, that's what I'm saying is I, yeah, I know there's that stuff, but if you, but my argument is if, if, if you're going to be the best player, in, I mean, throw it. Yeah. I, I think it works in baseball that. though. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying that if you're a, a reporter or you're a writer, now it could be another case that different people vote on the awards, in which case that's a perfectly valid, you know, if different people are voting on the awards, which they have, you know, uh, in in Japan, we have the interesting case because the MVP and the Best Nine Awards are on the same piece of paper, or they used to be when they were on paper. Now they're on Excel. Right. Yeah. And uh, all I had to think about how did Yoshihisa Hirano get a vote is because if you the Excel, the new method for entry, what well, used to be a kanji test. Yes. <laughs> you used to have to write your kanji, and I'd I'd publish my votes. I'd take a photo, a, a screenshot of my vote. Mm-hmm. All right, I did not a screenshot. I take a fi- picture of my boat and put yeah. it on Twitter, and people would say, "Oh, you missed a stroke," mm-hmm. and that you would know, disqualify the, is, the. Well, yeah, well, it would that disqualifies so anyway, the I'd, vote. I'd fix yeah. it, you know. I'd fix it, and, and and actually, it would disqualify it if it was confusion. There was any confusion about who it was. So, uh, in any case, the new one, you have to enter the player's number. Okay. And all I could think of is that somebody, I, I think uh, Hirano is number 19 and you, <laughs> Yamamoto is number 18. And somebody meant to pick Yamamoto and he picked Hirano by accident and didn't notice. I, I think right. that, that's probably the most likely uh, reason that Hirano got a vote. It makes sense. So, it's plausible. It's plausible. It's, that's the most plausible. But my my biggest my biggest issue with the MVP vote was not Murakami, although I didn't think he was the MVP. I I thought either of his teammates, Koji Chikamoto or or Yusuke Oyama, uh, was was much more deserving, and they both they they both did quite well in the voting. The surprise to me was Suguru Iwasaki. Okay. <laughs> Suguru Iwazaki finished third in the best nine voting for pitcher, which was won by Katsuki Azuma. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Well, I'll just leave that aside because that's another issue. <laughs> but Iwazaki, then in the MVP vote, Iwazaki, he went from getting like 2% of the best nine votes mm-hmm. to getting like 10% of the first place votes for MVP. 
So people who thought he was the third best, you know, a few, a handful of people thought he was the third best pitcher in the league, suddenly thought he was the MVP. You know, I'm going, wait, and people who didn't even think he was the third best pitcher in the league thought he was the MVP. I'm going, oh, hold on a second. Okay. So to me, that was the weirdest thing. And the Murakami thing I don't think is so weird because if you took the people who voted for Murakami for the best pitcher in the league and who thought he was the best pitcher in the league, which is fine with me, and you took the people who voted for Azuma, who who thought he was the best pitcher in the league, but who thought Koji Chikamoto or Aoyama or Oyama were the best player, the MVP vote makes sense. So they may have the people who thought Azuma was the best pitcher and people who thought Koji Chikamoto or Oyama were the best player. To mm-hmm. me, that's perfectly rational. One's the best pitcher, one's the best, you know, the best overall player. And I think that was probably the story of the MVP vote. I think that's the way it went that way. Um, so Murakami is it was just the guy who got the votes because two of his teammates were both really, really good and split the rest of them. <laughs> yes, but my my whole point is that they're they're trying to force a player from the Tigers in to this award when it doesn't have to come from the first place team. Well, actually, I, I think mm. that was more the case in the Pacific League because I thought Kensuke Kondo was vastly <laughs> better than Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Yeah, for his team, he had a great season. Uh, oh yeah, and- he was he was he was like hands down in my I mean by by a mile the MVP winner, and he ended up with uh, let's see how many first place votes. Uh, there were eight first place votes that didn't go to Yamamoto, and I I gave mine to Kondo, and uh, three other uh, seven other people gave their first place votes to somebody else, but. Uh, for them to say, well, it's got to be Yamamoto because he was the best pitcher on the championship team that didn't have any hitters, didn't have any like outstanding hitters, and I think that was the the calculus there. And calculus, this is laziness. That's it's not calculus; it's laziness. Whatever sexy okay. number jumps out first and is easy to that see. That is true. Let's pick that, is, that and then move along here. That is true. And if it's and if the sexiest note, like the really sexy note, oh, so if, uh, but I I'll bet you. If Kondo had had three more hits at the end of the season and won won the batting title and tied for the home run title and won the RBI title, which he did, he would have been the MVP. I doubt it. I think he would because he would have had a triple crown. And no, was, because they didn't win. No, it doesn't matter. Yep, just, every, tri- every triple crown winner always wins the MVP. Well, then... And every guy who, every guy who hits 60, you know... I would have loved to have seen that because I don't think so. No, I think it would have. I think it would have. I think the and the triple because they what they need is a reason to vote for him. And oh, he only won, you know, only tied for the home run title and won the RBI title and finished second in the batting in the bat batting average by you know point zero two points. No, I I think that would have been. I I don't. I'm not going to fight you on this. All I'm going to say is we're dealing with the Japanese media, and obviously they have proven over decades they don't know what they're looking at. Number one, well, number two, number two, they give Coco Ballantine a MVP award for hitting sixty home runs. Yeah, he hit. Yeah, (laughs) for a last place team. Yeah, yeah, that the one exception, right? Well, no, say, uh, for yeah. last place team, we haven't had one for a last place team. Sure, we haven't had, we? sure, we no, have. no, no, not not since I've been here. I think Iwakuma win one for a last one. 
No. Well, anyway, here's the okay. thing. I still think they would have chosen Yamamoto because of what he did three seasons in a row with all those. Again, which is irrelevant. That's what, yeah, but the other two seasons don't count. <laughs> you know? Yes, they do. They do in the minds of these Japanese voters. Yes, they do. Well, I don't know. I I'm not, it would have been I, I, interesting. You, well, I'll I'll concede that you are better. You are a better mind reader than I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to school I, for I don't stuff, know what, man. I do not know what evil lurks inside <laughs> the hearts of that. man. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm neither John Gibson or Lamar Cranston. I am not the shadow. So oh, I, well, I, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. It's just, uh, <laughs> they don't know what they're watching, period. Well, we got MVP, we've got Hall of Fame coming up. So if your disgust level isn't high enough already, it will be next time. Um, um, we won't even talk about it. Remember, I said until they get toughy in there, I don't, I have nothing to say. Uh, making a seamless transition, let's talk about some players who are on the move. So, embattled slugger Otaka Yamakawa goes from Cebu to SoftBank and then we learned this morning at least I reposted uh and I think it was Jason who's who sent out uh, something that said Tsuyoshiwada was the compensation for free agency that the Lions had selected from available players from the SoftBank roster well a few hours or sometime later in the day uh that flipped and it became uh, pitcher Hiroshi Kaino. So I, I was thinking, you know, Tsuyoshi Wada, that this is a guy who hadn't really, he's a, he, now he's reduced to a five and dive kind of a, kind of a guy. Mm. He's not bad. He's just not effective after, you know, the fifth inning and he looks tired. He's going to give up runs. He's not going to throw five shutout innings. I don't think he pitched at Sable, but I had all kinds of things to say. And then I, and then I noticed that this thing had flipped and, uh, yeah, well, the story, I'm just looking at it now. Okay. The, the story was that the Cebu Lions have decided they're, they have set, they have settled on a policy of selecting uh, Tsuyoshiwara and they will do so in the coming days. But, and that came out yesterday, and I do have a time on it. It came out, oh, actually, it came out this morning. That's what I so said. It was their big scoop on the Nikon Sports. But, Okay, so that was that. And then the news came out that it was, in fact, Hiroshi Kaino. Now, yeah, okay. So as far, my my opinion of, of Tsuyoshi Wada is a little different for yours, but not. But what you said is accurate. He's he's really good with a, with a fair, and his fastball, which is surprising, his fastball, you know, the expression late life? His fastball's got late life. It's better now than it was three years ago. Well, so, so does he. <laughs> yeah, 42 <laughs> years old. Yeah, indeed. So, uh, and I love him and I would have been, I would have, and I, I tweet when I saw the news, I would have loved to have him pitch nearby because he's one of my favorite players in NPB. But I, I thought as a, of course, as a longtime San Francisco Giants fan, I had to think about like the dumbest trade, one of the dumbest trades San Francisco ever made, which was to get catcher A.J. Perzinski. I don't know if they got him from the White Sox. or the I think it was the Twins they got him from, and they traded three pitching prospects who all turned out to be pretty good. For A.J. Perzinski? <laughs> yeah, I know. Boof Bonzer and, and a guy who probably saved 150 or 200 games for other teams. <laughs> Ouchie. Oh, my God. And, and I, I, names I forgot, but uh, one of them was Booth Bonzer, and I forget who. The, but there was what two. One guy was a serviceable MLB regular for years. Another guy was was a, an effect, a very effective closer for a few years. 
another guy was a, a useful player. And and Brzezinski basically hated San Francisco. His teammates uh, returned that sentiment to him. And for this, the idea that the SoftBank Hawks would give up, would lose Tsuyoshi Wada for Hotaka Yamakawa made me think of San Francisco getting AJ Przezinski and having to give up the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> because Wada is so connected with the Hawks. I yeah. mean, it's like he's just, it's hard to think of a, of a player who's, well, I mean, there are many who are as connected. You know, the idea of him being in a different NPB uniform really was hard to imagine. Yeah, I was Man. thinking about you when, when I saw that. I thought, oh, Jim really likes Wada too. That's 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 going to be weird. But I I thought the same thing. Well, now you get an opportunity to see him at Sabre. You can go out to uh, to, yeah, to Chiba and see him too. And um, you know, this would be this would be good. You can go and Indeed. fanboy over him. <laughs> yeah, I could fanboy. I know he, he says he, you know he could he could keep you know what he says to me all the time. Do you have to drool so much? <laughs> Here's a towel, son. Stop it. <laughs> We're not son. How about something else? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I am old enough to be his, you know, now now let's talk old. I'm old enough to be his dad. Well, yeah, we won't talk about that, though. Uh, you don't look it. Let's put it that way. Thank you. Um, so then we've got movement uh, by other players, too. Now we had a couple of free agent moves. Uh, Satya Yamasaki, uh, former Orcs Buffalo starter, mm-hmm. goes to Nippon Ham. And interesting. Yoma Nishikawa, uh, formerly of the Hiroshima Carp, goes to Oryx. Yeah. He said, I wanted to see if my game plays in the PL. How do you like that? Man, he wants to get more at bats. And I, I I don't know. He's a good player. He had a he had a mediocre season and he, he's coming he off. Is, he is, but don't you think that Oryx kind of has a, a lot of quality outfielders and he'll have the same problem no he, he no before. he'll be he if he was with the hall the if he was with the buffaloes he would have been their best outfielder last year <laughs> even that mediocre year he had okay. it was not it was not a good year for the oryx outfield although uh keita nakagawa w- was their best outfielder last year and nishikawa is better than him <laughs> probably he has more experience but yeah Interesting. I'll I'll be interested to see if he can stay on the field as much. I I uh... the other the other um yeah well it's always hard to tell because or uh, Hiroshima and Oryx kind of have that same sort of ensemble vibe. <laughs> but he 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 has he certainly uh, Nishikawa certainly uh, rose through the rose through the ranks. It's a crowded field in Hiroshima as well with a lot of young talent and managers. And mismanagers trying to give the wrong people playing time. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, not ta- gone, I'm not talking about you, Takahiro, my yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So there was that, and there was a another free agent who was uh, another free agent who was talked about leaving. He wasn't one of the guys who said, I, "I'm going to file for free agency so I can I can prove to the team how much I love him by not going anywhere." which we see now and then it's such a Japanese move. Although I think it's usually the reason they file for free agency is because the team says, well, if you do file for free agency, which means you're going to be stuck here for another three years, we'll give you a good deal. I think it's part of that. So anyway, that was Kenta, Kenta Ishida, lefty Kenta Ishida, who's been kind of a swing guy for the DNA base stars. Uh, Good start, good in, in both starting and relief. Uh, had returned to the base stars. 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, the, the returning is just as big as a, a as a player moving because you don't know if the player is gonna you're gonna lose them or not. So well, they're gonna uh, lose a lot. Stay. Yeah, they're gonna lose a stay. lot. So they needed somebody to stay. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, and then I did see somewhere early on in this process of player movement that Sho Nakata is going to end up in purgatory. Uh, <laughs> yes. To play with Kazuyoshi, Tatsunami, and the dragons. And... I don't think you even need to mention Tatsunami and the dragons. I think purgatory <laughs> said it all. Hashtag high heat. <laughs> well, that's one step above Indie League, I guess, for all intents and purposes. So, uh, and, and not, not, in the, not on the bench, it ain't. Well, yeah. <laughs> in the, on the field, it's well above it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. That's true. Yeah, yeah. The dragon. I was joking with somebody at work the other day. I'm like, the dragons lost during the season. They lost yep. in the draft, and mm-hmm. they lost in free agency. It's like, and they lost. It's like they lost everything. So it's strike four. I mean, <laughs> it's just awful. You know, I joke about free agency periods in sports and say, like, if you don't act fast, you don't get the top tier guys or the second tier guys. And then you start having to sift through the stuff <laughs> and mm. the marginal guys. And then eventually there's just leftovers. <laughs> Nobody likes leftovers. Not in our house. <laughs> Those things just kind of stay in the refrigerator in the back. <laughs> in my house, that was called any come and get it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go to fielding questions. All right, this one comes from Roger in Tokyo, and it was via email. Now, I remember meeting somebody out in front of Tokyo Dome during a WBC warm-up game or something, or maybe it was, uh, I forgot. So I'm wondering, Roger, was that you? Uh, because he just said, hey, John. And I'm like, and he was, this man was with his son. And uh, how, his, uh, what, how, how, uh, what, around what our age? age, I mean, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, his son, his son might have been 15 or so. Okay. That wasn't the guy who stopped Jason and I, um, at in front of <laughs> Tokyo Dome than this last summer. Okay. All right. So, uh, Roger says, can't wait for your next show. Well, here it is, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> the, wait, all, the wait is over. The wait is over. Given all the recent news, especially since John has said that he is a Dodgers fan, I look forward to your analysis. Like, <laughs> yay, that's my analysis. Oryx is receiving $50 million. That must be the most ever for no. Yoshinobu Yamamoto for uh, the posting. Plus, the yen is so weak right now that that will convert to even more yen for them. I realize oh, good that, point. Yeah, I realize that NPB teams operate in somewhat of a opaque way. But does this mean that Oryx will go after big name domestic free agents and foreign talent? Will the parent company just put the money into the general accounts? Will their car rental staff be getting a nice bonus this year? Curious to hear your expert thoughts about this. It has the potential to affect MPB in a big way. Or not. But keep up the great work and Happy New Year. All right, wow. Roger. So, yeah, Thank you, Roger. Um, really good stuff. And um, Okay, first, the, ba- the, the, the biggest comment I want to make. Well, first of all, I think you're right. Um, the fifty million dollars, uh, I think the the maximum that can go to Oryx is something like fifty point six million dollars, um, which would make it in dollars the third largest posting fee, after the ones paid out the fifty one million dollars plus paid out for both uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka and Yu Darvish. Yep, but that was a system, a different system. So this is a um, 
a much they got the both of those pitchers got paid in the area of fifty million dollars also. Mm-hmm. Nothing like uh, what um, Mr. Yamamoto is going to get, I think. Uh, but here's the here's the thing, and this is something I mentioned uh, I mentioned to someone on Twitter today that uh, when it came to Shota Managa's contract. Okay, and also with Yusei Kikuchi's contract, all the contracts now, I would think all the big uh, posting contracts are coming with opt-outs. Mm. And there's a good reason for that. If, if Yusei Kikuchi had, Yusei Kikuchi, I think, had a seven-year contract with the Seattle Mariners with a third year, an opt-out after the third year. And the... The Cebu Lions only got their hands on the contracts for the first three years. They were not owed years four, five, six, and seven because the Mariners never paid it to Kikuchi. Hmm. So they got, if if he had stayed with Kikuchi, okay, so if Kikuchi had stayed in Seattle, whenever, which everybody thought he was going to do, then the the Mariners would have been on the hook for the rest of the posting fee, but it would have represented essentially an interest-free loan, <laughs> a three-year interest-free loan from the Cebu Lions to the Seattle Mariners because they don't owe that money until they have to pay it. Right. Okay. Now, the Yamamoto contract has reportedly has opt-outs after year six and year eight, and it is heavily backloaded means the first six years he's probably not going to get uh he's probably get a third or or less than a third of the total value of the contract which means oryx ain't getting 50 million (laughs) dollars they're probably going to get somewhere in the area of 15 (laughs) 15 to 16 million dollars and then wait and see and then if yamamoto signs they'll get another They'll they'll get what's left of their interest-free loan <laughs> to the Los Angeles Dodgers because we know God love them. The Dodgers really need an interest-free loan. Hashtag high heat. <laughs> and the same thing with Shoji Managa. Apparently, he his contract also has has opt-outs. So the DNA Bay Stars will also be making an interest-free loan to the Chicago Cubs and that seems to be the new wave. So that's that's my first comment about it. Now and now I think we can move on to the next is what does this mean? Yep. Go ahead. Uh how the Oryx Buffaloes are going to spend it, I don't know. Um teams do different things. Uh the Cebu Lions spent their Matsuzaka money on upgrading their ballpark. They own it. Oryx is the Oryx is the principal owner of Kyoserodome Osaka. And so that might happen. Uh, they might do okay. So the Lions with the Kikuchi money, they upgraded their minor league facility and their training facilities and their stadium. They, they did a further upgrade at Cebu Dome, which was to uh, expand basically an office complex under the seats that used to just be dirt. And now it's a, a warren of offices down there. Mm. Okay. So how they're going to spend it. And then the, the Nippon ham fighters who got that other huge $50 million posting for, they spent their money on the minor league facility. 
And I think they they pocketed they they kept a lot of it in reserve, but they spent the biggest part on upgrading their facility at Kamagaya Chiba, according to their former uh, uh, chief executive uh, Toshimasa Shimada. Of course, they they weren't going to spend a penny on Sapporo Dome because that was a losing proposition from the from day one. So. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, but what they're going to do with it, I don't know. Are they going to upgrade it? Oryx is an interesting team because they are probably the third. They're probably investing the third most in Ikse players in Japan right now. After mm-hmm. after ob- the obvious uh, SoftBank and and the Giants, but I think they lead the Lions, and they they do have a pretty good minor league facility going. Mm-hmm. Uh, out in, out out in the middle, I'm gonna say it's the middle of nowhere, Osaka. It's the middle of somewhere, but it's out past Universal Studios. Um, yeah, they have a nice facility out there, so I they might. Oryx is Oryx is a different or this is as we said all of the last two years. This is not your dad's Oryx. <laughs> yeah, it's not your the Oryx from the old days. This is a new Oryx, and they will they might well decide that it's time to join, um, get in the same league with the SoftBank Hawks and player development. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I don't, Roger, see them passing out or doling out any money to some of their staff yeah <laughs> somehow some i doubt that yeah. yeah and uh there's really not that much out there in the free agent pool there might mm. be some foreign talent they can bring in some yep. big name player but we haven't seen that yet so i don't know they're gonna hang on to that money for a while i, I believe uh yeah they might do something <clears throat> I, I don't know what they could do with with um Kyocera Dome. It's this pretty nice facility as it is. It's fairly new, yeah. Maybe they'll hang on some of those. Uh, there might be some game changer type player from the from the U.S. who gets a minor league invite to a major league club and then says, "You know what? I might as well, I'd be better off playing in Japan." And yeah, they might take. Or of course, they could buy a larger. They could buy out other stakeholders in Kyocera Dome if and if they if their feeling is they. Uh, I've. I don't know if I've said this before on the show, but you know, Japanese baseball has a lot of potential to be so much better. And the biggest thing holding it back is basically 11 owners who really don't care if it gets better or not because they like it the way it is, which is uh, getting a huge advertising, uh, the value of having their teams, their parent company's name in the newspaper uh, and the, you know, in, on TV virtually every day of the year and taking a, and then using the money they lose on their baseball team and taking a tax write-off. It's a <laughs> win-win. And I think uh, at least at least 10 of the owners are perfectly happy losing money every single year. <laughs> which is, uh, uh, yeah. And then and, losing and then games there's too. Soft bank, and then there's SoftBank. <laughs> Yeah, which they... which wants to be different, and there's Hiroshima Carp who don't lose money every year, and but aren't aren't all that interested in changing the game either. They're also happy selling T-shirts and stuff. So yeah, so yeah, Oryx. I, I you know this team did not win the Japan series. It, it made it there but lost. Uh, won the previous year, 
I just I don't see passing along savings to fans as a good business no. model either. So why? <laughs> yeah, why? So I say no. I just I think they're going to hold on to that money for right now and see what happens uh, in the late market, uh, early part of the season for the foreign player market and see if they can't bring someone in. Especially since they've lost Yamamoto, but I think Shunpeta Yamashita might be the guy who steps up and is better than. Yamamoto was in terms of that would be better, but he's could you know in terms of numbers maybe yeah it could be that strikeouts yeah good he's he's pretty I know the MLB scouts are raving about him they're going how come he's not coming yeah when's that guy going to be I know (laughs) and uh, Roger as for the Dodgers loading up on Japanese superheroes uh, (laughs) comic book characters um you know i didn't think i i whenever something there's a rumor out there like that everyone is saying it like it's a foregone conclusion i kind of jump off the the boat and everyone said oh tony was going to go to the dodgers so i i started thinking you know what the yankees are going to swoop in and snatch the sky with a bunch of money and or some surprise team will pop up and i was waiting for the mariners or the giants or some team like that to to pop up and it just never happened and then uh, Otani signed with the Dodgers. Well, then right after that, I thought, okay, where's Yamamoto going? Mm. Then we heard the terms of the contract, the deferred money for Otani, and I thought, oh, he's going to the Dodgers because he made room. Uh, Otani made room on the payroll. So um, so I'm happy, but uh, those guys, you know, one has never thrown a pitch in the major leagues. The other one won't throw a pitch in the major leagues this coming season. So I don't think it guarantees anything. I just the, the the Dodgers will have a good lineup, but they had a good lineup last year. They didn't win because they had pitching problems. So, uh, and it was pitching almost at every instance. It was starting pitching, middle relief, and and bullpen uh, in some inter- instances. So I, I don't think they're guaranteed to win anything. Uh, but I'll be excited to watch and see what Otani looks like in a Dodgers uniform and running around the field at Dodger Stadium and I might have to take a trip home to go watch the Dodgers this year. <laughs> well, my, you uh, want to go with me, Jim? <laughs> yeah, that's that's high that's high on my priorities. Um my my Jim's colleague a Giants fan. you should see his face, people. You I know my colleague was I know um basically <laughs> the Giants were in on both of them and basically when it came down to both of them, it the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, the Giants, the Mets uh, were all in on everything they wanted. And on both of those guys, and basically, I don't know about Otani and the Mets, but the Otani and, and the Blue Jays and the and the uh, and the Yankees and the and the Giants and the Dodgers. And basically he's you know, they he signed with the team he wanted to play for. He was getting the same terms from everybody. Uh, the Mets raised the price. Uh, apparently, uh, Yamamoto had agreed to three hundred million with the Dodgers and the Giants, and then he went to the Mets, and they said, "We'll give you three twenty-five. And he th- the Yankees were good with three hundred, and he went to the Yankees, and they said, "Well, we can't pay you more than Garrett Cole." Okay. <laughs> and he said, "Okay, fine." He went to the Giants, and he said, "Fine." And they went to the the the. Blue Jays, and they said, fine, I'm sure. And they went to the Dodgers, and they said, fine, this is good. Dodgers, I'm in. So, you know, they basically got the same deal from everybody, and they wanted to play for the Dodgers. And uh, 
my my colleague at work, uh, one of my coworkers was was saying, you know, even I might sign with the Dodgers too. Too, yeah. <laughs> Stop winding me up, dude. <laughs> I've, had, I've, I've had a fear. Yeah, I, it was so funny because I heard Buster Olney on on baseball tonight. I think they still call it that, and and he was saying he took a trip to Japan and he said he saw a lot more. Yankees caps than he had seen Dodgers caps and I just I had seen the opposite that I've I saw guys dusting off their Nomo era oh, Dodger man. gear They're everywhere yeah it was everywhere I'm like well it yeah. depends on where you travel if you travel some places you, you might end up seeing more Yankee stuff but I think in the in the <laughs> it's here in Tokyo common, but yeah, yeah here in Tokyo there's, there's more but... Dodger stuff yeah, but suddenly it's the wave of Dodger stuff now. Yeah, uh, which and I'll tell you, all 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 thirty MLB teams are pleased as punch that Otani signed with the Dodgers because you know they're gonna all make money. Every every MLB team probably makes about one or two yen off of every cap sold in Japan. Every Dodger cap that gets sold, every team gets its one thirtieth of the take. Wow! Every shirt, and then when they, when Otani plays in their park and Yamamoto plays in their park, the blue screen ads behind home plate are going to be on Japanese TV. They're going to be going for six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a game. Wild! Oh, it is wild. There's no way you know the the Angels. The Angels can complain all they want. They and they're Otani, good at it. <laughs> and yeah, well, Otani yeah. made for them. Otani was probably raking in fifty, sixty million dollars a year for the Angels, oh. and and you know, there's no and he'll make more with the Dodgers, and he's going to make more for MLB with the Dodgers and all the the owners who complain. You know, I got nothing with the Dodgers spending money. Go for it. You know, compete. Do your jobs. You know, interesting enough, we haven't heard this backlash. You know, like last year, people said, what's up with the Padres? Why are they spending money? They're making us look bad. Stop it. Right. You and then the Dodgers call, drop drop a billion yeah, dollars. Yeah, people are going, oh, well, it's the Dodgers. It's, it's the Dodgers, yeah. The Padres, <laughs> you're, supposed to, you're a small market team. Stop it. You're making us other small market teams look, you know, we're billionaires, but don't make it think, don't make it look like we can afford players. It's yeah, terrible. Well, You're doing the bad thing. You're saying the, the 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 you know saying the quiet thing out loud and don't do it. With the Dodgers, it's okay. But yeah, it's annoying as heck. But you know, uh, Yuki Matsui yesterday mentioned. He says, you know, it's it's funny. I think the Dodgers are getting really popular in Japan right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, Otani is an economic driving force, right? Oh and, yeah. And uh, never in our wildest dreams when we talked about him years ago when he wanted to make the jump to the major leagues and we said well we just want some team to give him an opportunity to do both and then this is the result 700 million <laughs> yeah and he's not done you know yeah it's, my, it's pretty thrilling thrilling my, yeah. my thought you know my when i saw these contracts my first thought went back to the japanese baseball i saw when i first came here which is really exciting but was also um, was like to to borrow the line from from Steve Martin's comedy routine. Let's get small. Mm-hmm. It was like 
Japanese baseball should be small. It should be about bunting. It should be about, you know, it shouldn't be about power. It was like every game you watch came complete with a, a morals lecture about how <laughs> Japanese baseball should be small and compact and played without errors, but not trying to swing for the fences and not trying to throw the pitch so hard. It should be a certain, you know, making contact. And, you know, it should be this kind of baseball. We're not MLB. We're not brat. You know, we're not big and strong like those people who don't know how to play baseball properly and it can only do it because they're powerful. You know, that was the attitude. We know how to play baseball. We're not good, but we know how to play baseball. And the idea that the two Japanese players could earn record contracts in MLB in a, you know, and when I arrived, the feeling in MLB and the feeling in Japan that no Japanese player was good enough to play in MLB, that mm. it was impossible and it, it defied. Uh, so I started writing a series on my blog. So if you haven't seen them, uh, please check them out. They're called uh, Things Have Changed. And right now it's three parts. The first is an overview. The second part is how the owners uh, basically opened the door for player movement because they were too dumb to realize Japanese players could play in MLB. Mm. So they set up free agency. And then Hideo Nomo proved that their whole their whole empire, their whole logic was a house of cards mm. and opened that door. And then the second one is about how that little tiny baseball they at that Japan wanted in the 1980s, which tried to stop people like Ichiro Suzuki from being different because it wasn't orthodox. How that house of cards kind of well, it's not it's still there, but how it took a big hit with Ichiro Suzuki and 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 Aka. and it talks about how that that came about. So that's my Japanese history project for the thing and. So that's going on. So if you see jballallen.com, have a look at that. All right. So um, I don't know when we're going to be back. <laughs> uh, not too not too long. Uh, I've got a story coming up out about uh, I interviewed Carter Stewart recently. That's right. Yes. Uh, uh, and I've got that. And that'll be we're going to have that for a podcast. I want that story to go out uh, in January. Okay. So well, probably in a week or two, that'll go out just before camp. And and so about the yeah. time camp start, we can do that that really, really uh, fun Carter Stewart Jr. interview. All right. Sounds like a couple of weeks from now. Uh, anyone else? We thank you, Roger. Anyone else who has yes. a question, hit us up at JBW Podcast on Twitter or Twitter.com with the hashtag high heat. Send questions by email to Y-A-K-Y-U-J-O-H-N at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebook page. Leave us a message or a comment there and look for us on iTunes and apparently Google Podcasts still going. So look yeah. for us there as well. Uh, we will talk yeah. to you next time. Enjoy your off season. And see you at those ballparks wherever they might be. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBallAllen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.